Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. emperor but it was pretty good <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite uh, empire, empire strikes back well i mean it's the best one well no there's people out there who say it's return of the jedi but whatever i love the ewoks but return of the jedi is return of the jedi the reason i don't like return of the jedi is because of the ewoks what they're fun they're cute they're fuzzy i love fun and fuzzy cute things but not when you're dealing with darth vader the greatest villain of all time are we recording? We are recording. We are recording. Well, then, welcome to episode 48. <laughs> 48. Season 2. Seems like just yesterday we were barely legal, and now we're looking down the barrel of AARP. Okay, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, I'm in... I'm, in I'm, a couple... Oh, no, I didn't mean us. I meant the, the episodes. Oh, the, okay. I the was episodes. like, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, the episodes. Yeah. Calm down. Yeah. <laughs> so how is everybody? Hashtag Pedo Friday. Yes. So we want to thank everybody for continuing to tune in. Um, as you know, last week was our first episode of the new year and of season two and yeah. we had taken about a month hiatus because i know there's got to be some new listeners there's got to be some so welcome to welcome. season two if you know you're just <laughs> joining, you're, if you're just joining the venga bus <laughs> um and you know we were a little hesitant we we're like okay you know are we gonna lose uh, yeah, no, y'all but, came back with a vengeance. but you all came back yes and we had three people which is actually four people that we are going to um, yes. 
give t-shirts too from the Kewala podcast our friend uh, with Darwin yes, over at the Kewala uh, podcast fresh or fresh, fresh yeah. um, who he was nice enough to give us these t-shirts for us to raffle and four of you um, join point, have one have one have one and yeah. we have contacted you yep. so make sure to um, get your parting gifts on yes <laughs> pick up your swag bag on the way out the door <laughs> but no everybody thank you so much for the support and for continuing to listen to us um, it really is a joy uh, for us personally to sit down every week and record a podcast and to know that it's so well received um, you know gives us a warm fuzzy feeling like Ewoks all right. So, anyway, I just want to let you know. Here's a little personal note. Okay. I just want to let you know that the fact that I even sat down to record a podcast this week was hard because I am totally hooked on Orphan Black. Welcome to the Welcome to Clone Club. I started watching it by mistake, by the way. Totally by mistake. Was there like it, a pile of leaves on it? And you know, it and just fell in? It, 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 totally by mistake. And how I, how, did, how was it by mistake? Like, you fell asleep and woke up and it was yeah, on? Some, yeah. Okay. And, like, when um, you started watching Sailor Moon? Well, no, that's another story. <laughs> um, um, no, no. Um, I just, I thought she was cute. Oh, uh, she's adorable. Uh, Tatiana Maslany. Yeah, I thought she was so cute. I'm like, look at her. Yeah. And then um, I was like, oh, this is interesting. And I'm it's like, so Oh, and then it's funny because I'm not really into sci-fi, although I'm really into Star Wars, but I'm, that's, sci-fi that's is fantasy. not necessarily yeah. my number one topic, you know, right, genre right. that I'm into. And um, I just started watching and I can't stop watching now. And I'm like, okay. that girl d- deserves, for those of you who have well, not watched Star Wars, she deserves an Emmy for every season. Oh, I agree. Because like... I forget. I actually forget oh, that she's playing multiple roles. When she's, I can't remember the names. Elena. Now. It, when she's Elena, she's yeah. an entirely different person. Uh, yeah, completely different. Sistra. Yeah, the only one, Love the her. only one that I could see the difference is between like Sarah and Allison, the the housewife. Ali's my favorite. Oh, she's crazy. Ali is my favorite. Her but and Donnie. I, they're they're okay. I could see kind of like they're similar. Right, right, right. But the other characters, I'm like, what's it's the, the same girl. What's the uh, Rachel. No, no, no. The Cosima. Cosima. I was like, it's Calliope. What is it? Cosima. No, no, no. I'm like totally like mid. Like I can't stop I... watching it. <laughs> okay, I didn't. Okay, so I haven't seen the last season of that show. Oh, okay. I, I didn't finish watching it, but I have loved that show since the first season. Yeah, and when and, it first came out, um, I was like, hooked. when you, when you never had... noticed that I have a Funko Pop of Allison in no, my house? No. Yeah. And when um, you know we were scheduled to record this today, I'm like, oh, like that's time I'm watching Orphan Black, like. <laughs> Anyway, well, that's just my little shout out to what I'm currently up to. Yeah. So, so you should have given that your last soda. Should've I should have. I should have. Nah, whatever. Oh, well. Anyway, so <laughs> uh, on the news. Yes. Yes. Did you hear de la gente this week que votaron del avión porque tenían peste? This has not been a good week for airlines. <laughs> Government shutdowns, stinky people, overweight guy having stewardesses asked to clean his ass. What happened to the overweight guy? Okay, so this was something, apparently this guy, he was flying on a Taiwanese air airline. And the guy's overweight, you know, not that that makes it better or worse or whatever. But the guy's overweight and he basically wound up saying to the flight attendant, I have to go to the bathroom. I can't close the door to the bathroom because I think he's like 600 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and you guys are gonna have to help like help me and the flight attendants were kind of like well we can help you like to the bathroom or you know like whatever no they had to wind up helping him actually like wipe his ass because did they actually wipe his ass yes up? they did is that in their job description well that's the problem so that's the thing is that these there's videos of these, that's the thing that's the thing the thing, the is. thing is the thing <laughs> the thing is the thing there's video of these poor flight attendants like crying Pero... as they're having to do this because they've got like gloves on and the whole nine yards but resulta ser que este tipo this is an airline that employs only female flight attendants. What airline is this? Oh, I have to look it is up. Is it Hooters Air? It's <laughs> Well no no legit. Hooters was an airline. Yeah. It's E V A Air. Did that happen in the US or is that like It was on a flight from LA to Taipei. I knew that <laughs> never mind. Okay. Go ahead. But apparently this isn't the first time the guy flies on this airline and has these types of things happen. So, so they've wiped his ass before. I don't know if they've wiped his ass before, but he's also like flown and because he's so overweight, he's like, if nobody helps me, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take a dump in my diaper and you're going to have to help me clean it. And he has taken the dump in his diaper. And it has so he has a diaper. The guy's a mess. I mean, let's okay. take everything out of the equation. But and the problem is that he keeps flying on the same airline. Well, this is what I would do. No, I'm not kidding. Do they get a car? Tú te quieres hacer poo en... No, no, say how you were going to say it. Te quieres cagar. Tú te quieres cagar en el asiento. Cágate. You know what? I'd rather clean up a dirty seat than clean a dirty ass. Right. You so got, you know like, what? You have all the passengers around him. Well, you know what? The one who's going to look like a dirty piece of shit is him. All right. Fair enough. But let me tell you something. I have a big enough issue when people can't stay in their chair. <laughs> No, but then the problem Imagine is that you, cre- you but, but you create an expectation, and then the the thing is that you know, uh, and being a flight attendant is a very difficult job, As it and, is. and you have to attend to a lot of different people, and you know, from oh, around I know, the world, I know many flight attendants, right, from the around the world, and people sometimes can get very petty, and 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 on top yeah, but of we're that, we're not talking about a cultural expectation. On top of that, no, but but people in different cultures have different but, but expectation digo, in terms esto of no es un cultural expectation. right, in terms of service, right. right? Um, but this is like I can't imagine any culture, any nationality would this would be in their Accepted. job description. Right. So yeah, no. Well, this pales then in comparison <laughs> yes. to the family that was the smelly. The smelly that family. was told to you know get off a plane because they all stunk. So did you hear about that one? <laughs> I heard about them as well. They were flying. American. I think from from Florida, from, from Miami, from yeah, from yeah, Florida to here from the Midwest Florida, to Michigan. Yes, and they were Jewish, and you know the guy said that he was, you know, taken off the plane because he was Jewish, right? I mean, I, I, you know, anti-Semitism is something that's very alive yeah, and yes, and yes. and is very true. I don't know. I not I, being there, I don't know. I, right, but. I, I mean, I, I would imagine that if they really did ask these people to get off the plane, they must have stunk. They have to have and, a reason. And American Airlines did make a, release a statement that several um, passengers, mm-hmm. many of them, did complain about the body odor of the family. And... Um, and that's why they chose to put them off, take them off the, the plane. plane right. And they they were, um, American Airlines did, because they missed their flight, obviously. Right. Um, American Airlines did rebook them the following day and did get their hotel. Yeah, they put them up for the so, night. So they food. did accommodate them. Right. But I guess the bigger question here is, and this is something that our listeners probably 
are, you know, feel very passionately about one way or another is when you go on a plane, the discretion that you should have as a passenger. Because do you know what my pet peeve is when I go on a plane? <laughs> no, seriously. What? Because I like I like to be considerate about other people. Right. You know, it's it's cramped th- therefore, quarters. therefore, I'm not gonna go to the food court. I'm not gonna go to Sparrow. I'm not gonna go to Sparrow and order Thank the you. garlic rolls and have them mid flight. Because you know you're going to stink up the plane, okay. especially Hold especially on. up in a plane that you're in a you know, pressurized area. Literally, your senses are more like you know in heightened. tune to heightened. They yeah. are so it's like really, Carol. Did you have to have you know the <laughs> garlic rolls from Sparrow that uh, are like uh, uh, uh. you know? I sat next to Carol uh-huh. once. Not only did she have onions in her, you know, bagel sandwich, but apparently Carol didn't eat onions because then she took them out, she wrapped them up, and the onions sat there. It's like, really? It's not bad enough that you got them and you opened it up? Now I gotta sit here and smell, like, grajo? Yeah. For the next hour until somebody comes by to pick it up? Yeah. You know, like, there's things that, mean a a baby crying on an airplane, that's something, what are you going to do? You're going to have to deal with that. Uh, Children being rambunctious on an airplane, you know, unless the parents are, like, just letting them climb off, you know, the the roof, roof, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? do? Those are things that just happen when you're in a confined space. But things like that, like, the food is one that really irks me because that you have a choice in. You know, you can eat before the flight or if you're going to eat in the flight, have a little bit of consideration to your fellow passengers. Yeah. And don't have the freaking, you know, baked tuna casserole on a bagel. You know, (laughs) like, I mean, really? I mean, do we really have to be talking about this? I mean, come on. But to to bring it back to to the family, again, we weren't there, so we don't know if they really did stink or not. But do you think it's possible that maybe they did stink, but there are those people who use like all those natural bullshit? deodorants and have become to quote Febreze nose blind maybe to themselves you know maybe I mean? but I mean I, look I would like to think because we don't smell our own odors. I would like to think that I mean because removing somebody from a flight a massive that's a, that's a very big threshold to yeah, cross yeah, 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 yeah. right I mean generally people are removed off flights because they're a threat um, causing a disturbance causing a disturbance or something so if you are removing someone from a flight because of how they smell, it's I would be reasonably assume that the body odor must have been out of hand, and a lot of people complained about it. Okay, if one per, one or two people complain about it, well, you know, you could always say it's that you know uh, you're being a bitch. Right? Yeah, you're or, an or that difficult right. person, you know, that right. complains about everything. But when you have a considerable amount amount of people complaining about that, which I think was the case here, right. and it was assessed by the staff. That's a different story. Now, the guy that was removed, and here I do agree with him. He says that when they were in the process of being removed, a lot of the flight attendants were like holding their nose and going mm-hmm. like, P-U, you know. If that is if true, that happened, if that, that is happened. true, you know, obviously I think there's a professional way of handling right. that, you know, in, in a proper protocol that, you, you know, you're not going to make fun of them. Right. And body odor, as bad as it is, tampoco you're not going to fall on the floor coughing like, oh my God, I can't breathe because how bad your armpits <laughs> smell. You know what I mean? It's like just... If you're going to remove the person, remove the Just person and and do it. Be professional. But, right. right, be professional. Right. So, I, I, you know, we weren't there. We weren't, we don't know. But again, it goes to the bigger issue of just having discretion 
on a flight right. or or recently um and i've seen this several times are the people that um <clears throat> are watching something and they don't have headphones and they're you know a oh, full blast oh, full blast Boy, yeah that's not a, that's not i have an issue with that in general like if i'm at the mall or yeah. you know it's like dude i don't want to hear your show your music yeah. your anything well they've said i've, I've heard this several that's times lack of consideration that, um because you know now when you're on a plane you're on wi-fi you can be online you could be chatting right, right. and all that that the technology is actually there so you can make phone calls while you're on a plane from your cell phone mm-hmm. yeah through like um, whatsapp but through right now there's they're still i guess for whatever reason choosing not to uh, allow that yet and i'm totally open for that because you know that if they allow cell phone calls oh. you know on an airplane all the people that are going to be like oh yeah oh yeah no 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 not even not even that please you know they're going to be doing that while the person's on speaker oh yeah oh yeah 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 <laughs> that's the part Ahí sí donde está la cosa. They're going to put the person on speaker, oh. so you're going to be hearing Josefina talking to Cheito yeah. the entire conversation. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know what? I prefer that. Not. I mean, look, I think Wi-Fi on airplanes is good, so you could text and all that. And if you're texting with your family and friends, we're going to pick you up, you know, in real time. You could be like, okay, you know, we're descending now. That's fine right. and dandy. But you know what? We don't need to talk to people. On we did just fine without it. Yes, since we were... air flight became commercial in the 50s, <laughs> yes. you know, to now, that's been 60-some years, we've managed. We managed we've to managed. figure it out. So, yeah. Yeah. anyway. So, <laughs> bueno, what else is going on? What, uh, well, oh. before we get into our next topic, this is Super Bowl weekend. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, it's I'm the, not having a the, Super the Bowl party. Rams and the Patriots, correct? Yes. I'm not having a Super Bowl party, and you're <clears throat> going to another Super Bowl party. <laughs> well, you're more than welcome fine. to come with us. That's fine. That's fine. I already I invited you last week. Okay, and um, so... Wait, you're upset because I'm going to a party when you're not having one. I would have had one if everybody said they wanted a Super Bowl party. That's what I did last year. Everybody said, like, oh, because our other friend who usually hosts Super Bowl parties... Couldn't do one, yeah. Couldn't do one for a very stupid reason. But anyway, um, oh, I might get in trouble. And... um, uh, I last minute I said, you know what? You have a Super Bowl party every year. I'm gonna go ahead and host, and we I did host, and we had a great Super Bowl party. Which, if you remember, we made our very first video announcing we did the podcast at my Super Bowl party. We did anyway. Um, if everybody would have told me they wanted one, we would have had another one. But whatever. So <laughs> it's the New England Patriots versus the LA Rams. Yep. Um, I'm not a fan of the LA Rams, but for You're that weekend, really not a fan of Patriots. LA Rams <laughs> get that Lombardi Trophy. Oh yes, and I, I think will that's leave the it. Majority of the U.S. I will leave it at that because I don't want to lose listeners from New England <laughs> and from that forsaken city. Anyway, <laughs> it's like you know what, dude. You know what. When when it, as they say when Tom Brady has a bad day and when he went through the flake gate, uh-huh. it's like, dude, go to your multi million dollar mansion in Bedford to your beautiful hot supermodel, supermodel wife with your beautiful children and your millions and cry them a river. I don't really want to hear about it. <laughs> anyway. But I'm sure it's going to be a great game, and we'll, we'll. You know what? You need to come to the Super Bowl party we're going to. Okay, come with. Honestly. So Maroon 5 is doing the halftime, halftime show. I just hope that Cardi B 
comes out since she has the song with Maroon 5. Beautiful I don't, Girls? The, girl, yeah. I, I don't care for that song at all. But I hope that she hijacks the Super Bowl party and they do into like a medley of Bodak Jelly Yellow <laughs> with I Like It Like That and Barty Car- you know, all her hits and make it the... <laughs> oh yeah, if they had a problem with Janet Jackson's boob... Yeah, I don't know what we're going to do about Miss Cardi. Oh, but you know, we we here at Pero, let me tell you, we love some Cardi B. We do. I don't care for her music, but I do enjoy her. How can you not care for her music? That's not my, not my jam. so good. It's not my jam. <laughs> I don't dance now. I make money move. Anyway, so what? But I like her. On to, um, I guess, not... Well... Celebratory in, in a way, right? <clears throat> in a way, yeah. So, um, Venezuela, yes. Um, and as we've mentioned many times on our show, we feel like Venezuela doesn't get enough coverage, and at least it, not from America, not, not from the US, American um, yeah, U.S. perspective. Uh, and I mean, in 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 Latin newscasts, yes, but I mean, in in CNN, NBC, and all that, um, yeah, I've said it. Networks. Yeah, I've said it here before. Mm-hmm. I've purposely gone on and been like, okay, where does Venezuela rank? rank? Yeah, in and it's, it's always, always been all the fold. So, yeah. uh, things are going on in Venezuela. Maybe by the time this airs in a few days, <laughs> who, knows? <laughs> who knows what will happen it's on been Federal a very, Friday? Very big week. But for right now, um, as many of you know, um, there's a well, there's been a crisis in Venezuela for quite some time. Yeah, but the crisis definitely. right now is with Juan. Um, um, Gaido, who is the interim president of Venezuela, and he is a leader of the opposition, and he is um, claiming to be the legitimate president of Venezuela, at least interim-wise. Mm-hmm. And what really removes this particular instance from any other um, controversy or another other event in Venezuela since the Maduro government right. took over from Previous Chavez um, is that it's being recognized by many countries, yeah. um, including the United States and Canada. Most Latin American countries have um, um, considered him the president yeah. and recognized him mm-hmm. as the president. I believe the only countries who are recognizing Maduro are those upstanding China, citizens, China like and North Korea and China and Russia. Russia. The European <laughs> Union, the European Union hasn't um, recognized um, Gaido yet mm-hmm. as president, but they did. They did make a stance that if they did not have elections in eight days mm-hmm. they were going to recognize him as president okay. so and i mean chavez is not gonna have an election <laughs> but maduro um, maduro maduro i'm sorry is yeah, not chavez have an election. is really not gonna have an election um, <laughs> maduro is not gonna have an election obviously so, so i mean to bring to bring our listeners up to speed what exactly is it that happened you know cuz so what happened is the the national assembly in venezuela uh, juan gaido is the uh, he was the head of the national assembly in venezuela now the national assembly in venezuela to kind of try to um, in layest terms is equivalent let's say to congress here in the us mm-hmm. right or a parliament okay. right so the national assembly is composed primarily of opposition because the people who are part of the National Assembly mm-hmm. are elected by the people of Venezuela. Okay. A couple of years ago when the new National Assembly was elected, uh, Venezuelans really hoped that that was going to be it. Mm-hmm. Right? That because there was such strong opposition to Maduro and the National Assembly was composed of people that were elected by 
you know, the people, right, right. Uh, that that's it. When the National Assembly became a uh, became predominantly an opposition entity, mm-hmm. that that was going to be it for the Masuro, uh, Maduro regime. Mm-hmm. But what happened was that he arrested a bunch of them. Right. He changed the constitution. Este, um, este tipo, he, who was like the face of the opposition. Um, 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 Leopoldo. Leopoldo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I forgot his name. Yeah. Um, uh, they they thought that that was going to be it. But then, obviously, Maduro being the dictator and son of a bitch that he is, he arrested many of them for whatever reasons, yeah. uh, made, made up, up reasons. Right. He removed the... He changed the constitution to remove their power. Right. And, you know, it's been... <laughs> it's been... The Maduro show. Uh, since then. But there's a couple of things in this situation right now that are a little bit different. Um, they say that the National Assembly and um, eh, Gaido are in talks with the military because the biggest problem that the opposition has had with toppling the Maduro government is the military. The military up to now has been pro-Maduro okay. for whatever reason, either right. because they're afraid of him or they but believe in him for whatever reason. He's got they, them on his side. He, right. So... I mean, you remember last year, the protests in Caracas where millions of people were yeah. protesting. I mean, millions. Yeah. And yet, Nothing. he's still there. Because as long as the military is still on in favor of the government... You have everything. Uh, um, yeah. So, yeah. But th- they say that this point in time, um, the military has been very quiet because they're in talks with the National Assembly. Okay. Also... What makes this a little bit different, and I was, you know, I've been reading a lot about this and, you know, watching uh, news coverage on this, and which, and which actually today on CNN, they had all. I swear whole... to God, I thought you were going to say CBS Sunday morning. No. <laughs> today <laughs> on um, CNN, they actually had uh, over a half hour show oh, wow. on, on Venezuela. And what they're saying is that. You know, what's different this time around is when you have countries like the United States, Canada, most other Latin American countries in Europe recognizing this man or about to recognize this man as a president that puts him in a very special and protected class. Because if now something were to happen to him, whether he'd be jailed, whether he'd be killed or whatever, we're talking about Gaido here, then you're going to materialize what everybody already assumes or thinks of the Maduro government. Which is that you're bullshit. Right. That, you know, he's, you know, he opposes, uh, you know, a a fair election. Or, or yeah. op- the opposition, right? right? Which is you know, a dictatorship, yeah. uh, pretty much. So, um, so that's what's going on there. And, you know, uh, I mean, who knows what's going to happen. But I think that, you know, a lot of times when, when these type of revolutions happen or um, there's a change in, in government and all that, there's certain things that have to align for all that to yeah, happen. And it seems like they actually may be aligning this time around. I mean, again, who knows? But um, but yeah, it, it's it's a real big problem. And, you know, we've, we've spoken about that here before. Um, I mean, I think anybody and everybody should be... Um, feel for what happened in or is happening in Venezuela but I think as Cubans we especially it's uh 
it's uh, it soft. hits closer to home. It cl- hits closer to home because they're going yeah. through something very similar than what happened to Cuba, yeah. you know, in the in the in the fifties and sixties. No, and, I mean, as we were speaking a little bit earlier, I mean, I I visited Venezuela twice, you know, in way back when, mm-hmm. and it was just a beautiful country. Yeah, but like, I mean, they 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 had been, one of the most thriving economies yeah. in in Latin America in They're the oil rich. 80s and 90s. They're oil rich. They have a lot of resources. There was there was a middle class. I mean, there were problems there like there aren't anywhere. Yeah, there was perfect, a lot of but... there was a lot of poverty there, but there's a lot of poverty in a lot of places. Right. But there was a thriving middle class and people did live well. Caracas was a big cosmopolitan city and like, like, La Isla Margarita. It's just this little island. It's a beach community. It was solely tourism. One of the most beautiful beaches mm-hmm. I've ever been to. Yeah. And if, every time I stop and think about, like every year, I always say, oh, you know, maybe este año, you know, if things change in Venezuela, maybe I'll go to Margarita. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it it's heartbreaking. Yeah. To see so, those. I mean, how you go from a, like a big cosmopolitan city like Caracas to, to dumpster people, diving. Yeah, dumpster diving. I mean, that's that's how it is. Because I, we always assume that when you see people like dumpster diving and all that that it's in third world countries and developing countries but no i mean i mean here you had this huge cosmopolitan city and that's what people a lot of people have been resorted to so let's see what happens i mean it's something that hits close to home and you know hopefully they have better luck than than (laughs) than cuba did yeah this is true (laughs) so um so our guest talking about close to home our guest this week so here at Pero, let me tell you, we have been very lucky that yes. we have interviewed some great people um, in the past year and some people that have become friends of ours, people that have supported us. Um, I mean, we, we've gone on and on and on on how appreciative we are about our guests. But our guest this week is someone, um, as I kept saying in the interview, yep. uh, it's not every day that you get to interview someone and mm-hmm. sit down and talk to someone that you grew up watching on television. Yep. And we were able to do that this week. Yeah. My eyes are watering just remembering the interview. Like, yes. I'm such a softie. <laughs> yes. We got to speak to somebody who, and I say this in the intro, everybody knows, but nobody knows mm-hmm. you know we got to speak to sonia manzano and there's probably like three of you who know what i who that is and the rest of you are like sonia king yeah chances are you grew up watching her educate live laugh with a bunch of muppets on sesame street as maria yep maria she, and luis maria and luis were such a big part of all they of were, our lives they were you know maria luis gordon susan bob yeah, yeah. all of them and she was everything I think we could have wanted and expected of her. She was beyond lovely and gracious. And and it was really uh, an honor and a privilege to interview you, to interview her. And, and as I said, we, we've been very lucky with the people yeah. we've had here. But, you know, there was, I felt a very full circle moment when, I, when yeah. we sat down to talk to her. And, I mean, as you said, she was everything and more. Yeah, she was yeah. absolutely wonderful, yeah. and it certainly has been um, one of my highlights, if not my favorite moment of since we started the podcast. So, yeah, um, I agree. All of you out there, you're in for a treat. Yes. So, here we're gonna take you to Sesame Street. Hey, listeners, welcome back. 
it's not even hyperbolic for me to say that the interview we're about to have is probably one of the highlights of our just the time on the podcast, our lives. I mean, if four-year-old me could see 40-year-old <laughs> me right now talking to this guest, he would not believe it. We just have the immense honor of welcoming Sonia Manzano onto our show. And you all know who she is, but you may not know who she is. She is the, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, iconic Maria from Sesame Street. Iconic it is. So, Sonia, thank you for being on Pero Let Me Tell You. Thank you so much. Pero muchas gracias. I'm glad to be here. As I said, you know, um, before we start our interview, it's not every day that you get to interview um, on our podcast uh, people that you grew up watching on television. And, I mean, obviously I speak for millions of people who um, you were part of our daily lives growing up, and that's like a huge, huge deal. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for saying so. And it's certainly kudos to the show, Sesame Street, that was able to stay on the air for over for 50 years will be our celebration wow. this year. I left in my 44th year, but uh, uh, I'm involved in some interviews and some celebrations. So right. the fact that it's been on so long is quite a thing. Well, you're so, part of the history. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, <laughs> you are the history. <laughs> so <laughs> let's let's go back to the early years. Um, so you, you were, what, a young actress in, in New York City? Yes, I was uh, uh, about 22 years old. I was doing a show called Godspell. Yes, I know. I was it. in the original company of that, and uh, I uh, was minding my own business, doing my little show in the evening, and really fascinated by Sesame Street, uh, even before I was on it. And I got the call that they were going to expand the cast to include some. Latinas on it because I don't know if you know the original target audience was African-American children yes. mm -hmm. and then they decided to expand the cast so that was what in, in the early 70s that was in the early 70s and uh, I'll just take this as an opportunity to say how important it is to be socially involved for young people because Absolutely. it was young people Mexican American activists on the West Coast that said to Sesame Street, you have representatives for the African-American community, how about some representatives for our community? Right. So when Sesame Street said, okay, thanks for reminding us of such a thing. <laughs> and that's how I got cast. And Emilio Delgado from the West Coast got cast yes. as uh, uh, Luis. And that's really important. Something that we really stress here a lot is, you know, representation matters. Um, you know, obviously for us, we're just, you know, we're two Cuban American guys who grew up in Miami. So we grew up surrounded by people who look like us in a city where a big chunk of people did look like us. So I think we kind of took it for granted a little bit until we got older, you know, what that really means. Because, I mean, I was watching you and Luis and it was like, well, of course there's Hispanics on Sesame Street. Yeah. There's Hispanics in our there neighborhood. Is. You know, right. who are the people in your neighborhood? It seemed very you know? natural. It's... It seemed, for us, it seemed very natural, but with what you're saying at one point in time it wasn't it wasn't what was common so here you are doing uh, you know a musical theater and and you get a call to do sesame street you got called for an audition for correct? an audition i just got called for an audition right and i uh you know i was i love the muppets and i um uh, just met one man named john stone in his office and this was at a time when uh, one man could make a decision on a show. You know, now <laughs> everything is a committee. If right. you're lucky. I, 
Yeah, well, in those days, you know, there was easier to have a vision. And uh, he just uh, told me to tell a scary story. And and he said, I don't have to hear you sing because you were in a musical. Ha, ha, ha. Thank uh-huh. God for that. <laughs> Go figure. And um, uh, so then I just, you know, a week later, it turned out that I had the part. Now, I have to say, there weren't a lot of Latina actresses out there right. at the time. So I wish I could say that I you know, clawed my way past thousands of actresses, but I did not. There were just not that many. And I uh, got the part of Maria, and it was very important to me. I mean, it, when you're 22, you're, nobody could tell you anything, but, you know, in retrospect. <laughs> you know it all. And, and certainly a little bit at that time. I was born and raised in New York, and I used, in the 50s, I was born in 1950, and I watched so much television as a kid and never seeing anybody but Desi Arnaz on television. Right, right. yeah. Yeah. He was the first. <laughs> he was the first and only. And I used to be like, you know, when he used to play the conga, it would be like, yeah, those guys were wearing all those roughly shirts and everything. Right. But he could, he got some licks in sometimes, I think. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, They didn't always play him for the stereotype either. You know, he was right. the foil. Right. He was a foil. And, uh, you know, and it was, uh, you know, he's, all this criticism that has come after you know but uh uh but he was the only one really and uh so it was very curious to me it was only him and all the mexican movies my mother used to take me to mm-hmm. and i was aware of maria felis and oh, right okay all those fabulous mexican actors but you know the rest of the time it was father knows best right so, <laughs> yes yes so yeah, I so, wonder. So here you are, twenty-two years old, you know, and and taking a role on Sesame Street and you know public television. Uh, at the at the time, I believe Sesame Street had only been around for a, a couple of years, right? Yeah, two years. Yeah. So did you know what you were really stepping into? Because I mean, obviously at that time, who knew or who foresaw that Sesame Street would become the icon that it did so did you have any idea of exactly what you were stepping in in terms of the legacy that this would have at one point absolutely not and you have to remember that a lot of stuff was going on in 1969 uh there was a war in vietnam people were marching women were burning their bras because they Mm -hmm. wanted to join the the workforce so the civil rights movement was going on so there was all this social turmoil going on all over so you know we were going oh we're going to get rid of all these racists and we're going to educate all these inner city kids and yeah you know know, everything was gonna be accomplished it was an idealistic time i think and i even president johnson was gonna create the great society and so uh you know it was part of that whole group feeling of america that sesame street happened um certainly i did not know the impact that it had and they didn't know they didn't know that kids were going to start picking up letters and numbers mm-hmm. in di- while they were in diapers in yeah. those days kids went to school at 5 years old and maybe were taught the alphabet at 6 wow your sesame street is showing that kids were picking it up uh you know at Two 4 years, years old, old. Yeah. yeah so you know everything else 
teachers were saying, what the heck, now what? <laughs> so, uh, you know, it changed everything in ways that they couldn't uh, even keep up with. And one more thing I might add, public television was new too. Right. Oh, really? Like, yeah, it was called um, Educational Network. I mean, it didn't have the name that it has now, but uh-huh. it also was a new idea. Public television, you know, that people should have no commercial free stations was a new concept. Right. Wow. Right. Fantastic. Now, I'm going to kind of skip around a little bit only because sure. I I know that you, you just said you watch TV and you had, you know, all the movies. I also, I, I did a little bit of research and I, I listened to your interview with Michael Ian Black, which was a fantastic oh. interview. Um, in it, you mention, you know, that your love of Charlie Chaplin. How did that impact your 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 acting, your time on Sesame Street? I mean, I remember the skit of you dressed as Charlie Chaplin, mm-hmm. you know, on Sesame Street. It's so it's like I'm I close my eyes and I see it in front of me. Just one of the many images that are just emblazoned in my mind. You know, did that have an impact it, on you? And to say I, that's what I'm going to Charlie Chaplin had such an impact on me. I I I I will begin to tell you a little bit. Uh there was a lot of acting in those days when I started out that was method acting and you had to feel it and you had to, you know, I never knew if I was really feeling it or if I was, you know, succeeding. And then I met a, uh, a one of my college professors introduced Charlie Chaplin. Now, of course, the world knew about Charlie Chaplin, but I hadn't really f- focused on his movies and really uh, and the slapstick and the stories mostly. And what was so remarkable to me was that I could laugh and some of the stories were so sad mm-hmm. yeah. and, uh, you know, the great dictator and the fact that he was in love and he was always pushed around, but he made you laugh. And that feeling of pathos, I, Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I realized is something that I love. And uh, also I attribute it to the fact that I had a very trying childhood. I was raised in a home filled with domestic violence, but there was also humor. I mean, we laughed a lot as well. And, And you wonder how could those two things coexist? But the fact is that they do in life. And I think Chaplin summed that up. I was very attracted to it. Yeah, and I think that's something that Sesame Street has done exceptionally well also in terms of just, 
you know, you've got your slapstick and your, you know, your fun times and the silly, the silly goofs. But then, you know, you, you have the ability to introduce, you know, a Muppet with autism. Yeah. You know, you have the ability to the first deaf person I ever came into, con, you know, quote unquote contact with was via Sesame Linda Street. Bob, it, was, yeah. it was Linda. Yeah. Linda. And I remember she was Bob's friend, Linda. And, you know, that's where I first understood, oh, sign language that exists. And, mm-hmm. you know, and the, the just infinitely memorable, you know, when Mr. Hooper passed, you know, yeah. there's. There's just so much pendulum swinging, but I think that's because that's what life is. And that's ultimately what Sesame Street conveys, I think. And and in no small part, thank you for that. One one of our, uh, uh, John Stone, who was one of our, the creators and mentors of the show, said this whole thing about kids not wanting to grow up and wanting to be kids for their whole lives is baloney. You know, the whole, (laughs) I'll never grow up, never grow up. (laughs) You See, there's no, that God spell singing. There you go. You can sing. You can. Uh-huh. <laughs> kids want to grow up. He would insist. They want to be part of the world. They want to participate as adults. And uh, and I think that that is absolutely right. I think we do a disservice to children when we don't want to put anything sad in front of them. I mean, people are to the extreme where they don't want to. They don't want them to read Charlotte's Web or <laughs> Tom Sawyer because they're sad parts. So right. It, because we want to protect them so much. But I remember the the little match girl, mm-hmm. Hans Christian Andersen, uh, and was so sad and yeah. she can't get warm because it's so cold and she has a mean father and she's finally, she goes to heaven and she's, and I felt so sorry for her. But when I felt sorry for her, like I felt like, I got something. I'm part of the world. Like, you know, I feel for this person. Yeah. And uh, I think that made me stronger and it made me feel like I was a big shot kid, you know, because I was cool like that. Plus, I knew she didn't really exist. <laughs> well, that helps. Yeah, that helps. But I think that also teaches a kid empathy. You know, I think that, it's, that, it, and that's something that myself and, and DJ have said many times, feels like it's lacking a lot of times today in the world. It's and absolutely lacking. You know, that's and it so used sad. to be a, a right compassion and empathy used to be traits that we admired mm-hmm. and wanted our children to have. But now the the tone of the country is that uh, it's a sign of weakness, right? Yeah, to right, care right. for someone, Such a you're shame. not being a tough guy, you know. Yeah. So. so going back to your time in Sesame Street, um, when did you feel? Um, you know, whether as an actress or just as an individual, when did you feel that you were working on something special, on something relevant? I thought a remarkable moment to me was I wasn't a writer at the time, so I was in front of the camera. I didn't understand what was going on behind the scenes. And I walk in and there's Lena Horne, the wonderful jazz singer, actress. Legend, I mean. Legend activist. She's singing with Kermit the Frog, It's Not Easy Being Green. That's beautiful. Well, I just said, like, is this song what I think it's about? Or is it just me? (laughs) (laughs) And it was, I think, somehow one of the most profound moments for me on Sesame Street, because it was obviously talking about race, but it was on a lot of levels. It was also talking about just not liking who you are or feeling insignificant or, you know, how do everybody's worth something. You know, there was a lot of feelings in that. And I thought, wow, that's really, you know, sticking your neck out. I don't know how it tested with children, but I was very impressed. 
by seeing that on the show. I thought that they were really on to something. And I wanted to stay and help them do that whatever they were doing, I wanted to help them so they could do it more. Yeah, and you took a, a very active role behind the scenes as well throughout your time. You know, it wasn't just Maria. I mean, there was Sonia, the, the writer. and Yes, yes. I was, um, uh, when I first got on the show, Matt Robinson, who was the original Gordon, mm-hmm. he said to me, you're not here just to be the cute Latina, you know. You have to make sure the Latino content is accurate. Right. <laughs> <laughs> who who elected me representative? <laughs> well, but but back then it kind of was, you know. Kid, nervous as heck, you know, being in front of the camera, and uh, but but I I took to heart what he. You know, I kept thinking about it; it stuck in my mind. And uh, there was a fruit cart on Sesame Street, you know, in the old yeah, New York fruit cart, and there were bananas and apples and stuff. So I decided. Um, uh, to go up to the producers and I said, you know, if this was a real Latino neighborhood, there would be some platanos and yaltia. That's the- right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Un mango, you know. <laughs> aguacate. <laughs> yeah, right, aguacate, which in those days, that was exotic. Yeah. You never saw aguacates, only in Puerto Rican neighborhoods. I didn't see, nobody was eating aguacates. So, uh, it wasn't in, it wasn't in style. <laughs> It wasn't in style. So uh, the next day, there's platanos all over the fruit cart. And I thought, well, I've wow. diversified the fruit cart at least. So no, I think uh, I want to go back to an old episode <laughs> and check out the fruit cart. <laughs> hey, but you know what? Change starts small, right? And it's, yes, it's right. little things Everybody like has platanos. some power, I always say to people, even if it's a little bit. Yeah. Once once you were more on the production side of it and you were a writer, what, did, what was your goal – to you know what did you want to bring to the table in terms of a writer in in, you know about the storylines that we were seeing in the episodes well i was thinking that uh a lot of the latino content seemed static Mm -hmm. um like as if latino culture was some is in a museum there's a guitar and there's tacos or there's rice and beans or whichever Latino right. group you come from, but it wasn't growing. And as you know, growing up in Miami, culture evolves. I mean, younger Cuban uh, people, uh, uh, people of Cuban descent, younger than you, are seeing things differently than yeah. you are. Twenty-year-olds, fifteen-year-olds. I mean, they're seeing. So it was interesting to me to 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 show that Latino culture kept evolving. A 1950s Puerto Rican is different from a 1970s Puerto Rican and so on and so forth. So uh, I wanted to sort of represent culture in in not the expected ways. So I wrote a song called Hola, where I dressed up as as Ginger Rogers to Emilio's Fred Astaire. I remember that. Because I thought it was, it was, kind of breaking breaking the images that we were Absolutely. expected to see just as surprising it was to see me as chaplain was interesting to see Emilio Delgado as Fred Astaire and me as Ginger Rogers singing about a Spanish word right. hola right I love that twist and I feel like you know back then to your point it wasn't expected like nowadays you kind of expect that oh what's the twist that we're going to put on it to make it relevant and pop and you know you were doing that before it was again like aguacates you were doing it before it was trendy (laughs) i hate to even ask this but was there you know initially in the first i think she's oh sorry (laughs) no that that and also it, it was a personal uh 
expression of mine because I loved those Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers movies when I wasn't watching uh, Father Knows Best. I was watching those old movies on on uh, on black and those black and white movies on television, and I just thought they were thrilling and dreamlike and and sophisticated. And I said. That's what Puerto Ricans are. We're dreamy and sophisticated. <laughs> but you know, but in a way, a lot of times those references, as you watch as a kid, you may not necessarily know what the reference are. But then as an adult, you yep. see it and you're like, oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. This right. is like what they did right. on Sesame Street. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> no, what I was going to ask was, um, you know, and I hate to even ask this, but in the first few years, especially that you were on the show, um, was there any blowback, any rejection from viewers, um, you know, saying, who are these Latins on the show? Um, did you experience any of that? Nothing that I experienced. I know that in the early years, the show was banned in Mississippi because uh, there was a black girl and a white girl sharing, a, a ch- children sharing an ice cream cone. That's um, incredible. That, I mean, because yeah, this was what, in the was early 70s? Yeah, and yeah, uh, incredible. Uh, wow. But n- n- nothing about the Latino content that struck me. I find it very interesting that people have come up to me and obviously said, uh, Latin people have said, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have gone into broadcasting, or you were the first Latina I saw on television, much as you said yourself at the beginning of the show. But a lot of um, uh, Anglos have come up to me and said, really? you were the first Latina I ever saw. Now, I think to myself, how could that be? Is that possible? <laughs> and I think that maybe I was the first one they saw as a full human being. I bet there were a lot of Latins in their lives. True. Around them, maybe. It just and never they just registered. See yes. them. It's a thought. Yeah. No. But but I, but there's a point to you that. You know, there was a know. point in my life that I would have not believe that but um i've said this before on our podcast um i went to school in the midwest and i met other you know there were other classmates of mine that were from small little towns in the midwest and when they would tell me things like that like they had never encountered a minority either a you know latin or like somebody who's you know black or whatever like had a personal either conversation or connection with them it kind of blew my mind because here i am coming from the you know miami or south florida which is a huge metropolis similar to you being from new york city but you often forget that you know in a lot of places in the country that is very true if you live in a small little town that is very homogenized and you don't get out that is what you know that is your reality right right so um I'm glad that I was able to impact their lives if not in person then at least through the television set and you certainly did you certainly did and No, I was going to say, I know that a couple of years ago, um, you received a Lifetime Emmy. A Lifetime Achievement Award, yes, from the Emmys. I mean, well, well deserved. Well deserved. Well deserved, if anybody. I I don't think anybody can argue that fact ever. Thank you. Uh, And what was more thrilling than anything that you could imagine was that Lin-Manuel Miranda sent a, uh, I knew him from Sesame Street. He was on Sesame Street for a short while. Uh, sent a video congratulating me, and that was absolutely thrilling. And I didn't know who was going to present the award to me, and they were going to surprise me. Oh. Well, thank God, <laughs> I wheedled out of them that it was going to be Rita Moreno. And I would, if 
that had been a surprise, I I don't know what I would have done when I got up there. Oh my uh, gosh! So <laughs> it was just thrilling to to uh, to to uh, receive it from her, and I found uh, that I had I thanked her so profusely that she she yelled at me from off stage, "Stop talking about me!" <laughs> in in moments like that. Um, well, whether it's moments like that where you are being honored for your work or whether it's a fan that comes up to you in the street and recognizes you, is are those the moments that you think, oh my gosh, I have had such an impact on generations of people? I, I mean, does it really hit you? I mean, because I, I, I can't imagine it, yeah. what that feels like. <laughs> But, you know, for somebody like you that, I mean, it's a legacy. Do, do you often stop and think the effect and impact you've had on people? Well, you know, some people, it's fan, you know, fans. The, it, the, there's different degrees. There's different levels. I I have a uh, a lovely note from somebody who didn't sign it and said, um, I'm black, gay, in a wheelchair. I mean, this person had like a list of of mm-hmm. of issues, and he said, uh, "And my joy in life was watching Sesame Street and watching you, and particularly because you represented an orderly world." Wow. Um, I've met people who uh, have said, um, "My life was in turmoil as a kid." My mother was schizophrenic, and I felt calm when I watched Sesame Street. And I have to say that um, I looked for to television for comfort when I was a kid. And I think that Sesame Street also offered that haven. So, you know, whether you're escaping a schizophrenic mother or you're being criticized for your lifestyle – or you're just a kid that likes laughing. Right. Everybody uh, uh, benefited from this moment, a little oasis where there was order uh, and and humor and affection. And I think that that's certainly something that I uh, I appreciate that I was able to do. I, I, I do take credit for it. I'm not going to be falsely <laughs> modest. Mm-hmm. I, I take a lot of credit for it. I, I think the show you worked hard at that time was very open to ideas, and they let me. They let me put it this way: they threw the ball at me, and I ran with it. Right, <laughs> and it was perfectly done because if you really stop to think about it, you know, going back to some of the things that Ish said, Sesame Street. You could see from the perspective that it was very. It's always been a very progressive show. And it, at the end of yeah. the day, it is a kid's show. It is a learning show. It is, it is on public television. Yet that show has been able to maintain its relevancy, you know, for generations and be progressive. Mm-hmm. So it, that's very hard to pull off, especially in that subtle way it's done it. You know, never being controversial or yeah. or yeah, yeah, right. No, I mean, I what you just said right now is just like and i'm sitting i'm glad i'm wearing glasses because like my eyes are tearing up like crazy <laughs> like i mean again i didn't experience those things as a kid but like it's just the joy that you and those muppets and that entire cast brought me as a child like 
I just I can't say thank you enough. Yeah. Oh well, that you're 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 doing a good job of it. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I I think that we really liked each other. The cast, we still see each other once uh-huh. a year. We get together. You know, we get out our walkers and our wheelchairs. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> we 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 sing at hospital at a hospital for children. And I think the fact that we really did like each other as people mm-hmm. came through. And Jim Henson was a giant in his yeah. uh, in his funny, unique, really quirky sensibility. <laughs> right. Yeah. And everybody was was on the same page with him. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I think I know the answer to the following question, but I'd be remiss and people would probably tar and feather us in the street if we didn't ask, who is your favorite Muppet? Who was your favorite Muppet to work oh, with? Oh, that's a hard question. Actually, it's not hard at all. I have to say it's Oscar the Grouch. I knew it! <laughs> I love Oscar. I, I, Oscar is, is uh, nuanced. You don't know if you're talking to an eight-year-old or a 48-year-old. You know, there's a lot going on there. Uh, and I like Muppets when they're, when you can't tell how old they are. When they, you know, they're many things. Like Ernie and Bert are many things. Right. Uh, um, uh, and I, so, so he's my favorite Muppet. Also, as a writer, you need a foil. And, you know, he hates mm-hmm. everything. So it's easy to bring in some drama <laughs> if you're doing the alphabet. How about doing the alphabet? No. What do you mean? You don't want to go A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, and so on and so forth. You can do uh, you can do the whole the whole alphabet. How can so, you be such uh, a grouch but be lovable at the same time? <laughs> Ask Oscar. You know, let me, now that you uh, bring up the puppets, let me uh, share something I was thinking about Ernie and Bert and how they certainly, how old are they? What is their relationships? There's like right. stuff that goes on on the internet about uh, you know whether they have an appropriate or not appropriate or what kind of relationship they have. Right. The, the uh, age old but, question. Oh, no. How come they live together? Who's paying the rent? I mean, it's that silly stuff like that. I never thought about <laughs> who pays their rent. Their own apartment. <laughs> and then none of the, neither of them work. But I was watching uh, this, the uh, uh, Laurel and Hardy movie. I can't remember the exact title of it. And those two guys, uh, Ernie and Bert and Laurel and Hardy, are, are fashioned the same way. And there was a time when there was a lot of two guys comedy routines. Yeah. Uh, Bing Crosby, and... uh, Bing Crosby and Bob Hope, Abbott and Costello. Uh, there's a lot of that. Uh, vaudeville stuff and I, I somehow think that Ernie and Bert whether they did it on purpose or not are in that world whereas there's a someone is always getting it over on the other one but there's affection mm-hmm. right yeah. that they really care about each other and uh, uh, and can't live without each other even though it's funny because all, all that about their relationship I don't know I never wondered it as a kid like I never oh, thought about like, who pays the rent I'm like it's just Bert and Ernie <laughs> hey Bert like, right I didn't wonder like oh how, who's paying the rent there and you know do they live really live alone in an apartment but what I think know? it's funny is that they... people have come up with like conspiracy theories about this like did you know it? I'm like what I'm like I'm like they're Muppets people <laughs> I know we're living in strange times that's yeah. for sure so um, in in like other projects that you've had you are a very big part of my life now also because I have a five year old and his favorite show is The Loud House <laughs> and I know that you voice 
the um, the, uh, you the, do the voice for the abuela on right. the Loud House, which actually, you know, even besides, you know, before I knew that it was you who did the voice, I thought it was very interesting that there is, again, a Latino family in the Loud House. Well, that's a progressive show. They have a Latino family, the one kid who has two fathers. Y- yeah, yeah, but but the Latino family, and they're very unapologetically Latino, you know. Um, and there's even episodes where they try to mesh, like, I think it was Thanksgiving or the holidays. They tried to outdo each other, like, uh-huh. who was going to have the bigger party or the bigger dinner. Um, so I was so pleasantly um, surprised when I realized that it was you doing the voice. And I'm like, oh, my God, here she is, like, <laughs> in a new, re- you know, re- kind of reincarnation in another character but the loud house is a very big part of my life as well now so that that's good to hear because it's really fun to work with those people i really like to do that character they're very careful um there is a writer who's on the show his last name escapes me at the moment but his first name is lalo so i remember that (laughs) and uh he's uh i love that he always corrects my my Puerto Ricanisms <laughs> when, if, if, to make sure that they are Mexican American, and I. Yeah. Uh, uh, so we we really have a lot of fun uh, uh, doing that show. Yeah, the abuelas not gonna come over, go bendito. Right. I was also doing a um, Gloria Judge Gloria Pepitone on uh, Law and Order SVU. Oh, I was going to bring that up because I'm a big SVU fan. So imagine my sheer delight when I saw you there. I was like, she left Sesame Street and got her law degree. (laughs) I know. And somebody tweeted to me, "Uh, why don't you throw the book at Oscar the Grouch? Give me a light something like that. But we also, well, you also have a really great, you know, um, career as a writer, not just on TV shows, but I mean, you, you write children's books. You wrote, as you mentioned earlier, uh, you may have mentioned earlier, your, your, I don't want to, I don't know if to call it an autobiography or a memoir, Becoming Maria. It's a memoir, really, because it's, it only a, covers... it's sort of the way you remember things, and it's called uh, Becoming right. Maria, Love and Chaos in the South Bronx. And before that, I wrote um, The Revolution of Evelyn Serrano, which took place. Yes. When the Young Lords took place in 1969. As a matter of fact, you know, I was talking about the social upheaval. It was the first time that Latinos were on the political map. The first time I became aware of politics and Latins when the Young Lords took over uh, a church in El Barrio. And I uh, focused on... uh, on uh, on that era when I wrote the book, and I couldn't help putting a little tongue-in-cheek joke in the book that when the young lords take over the the church, they have a television set, and one of the characters says, "Oh, great! Now we could watch that cool new show, Sesame Street." <laughs> <laughs> uh, I so love a plug. This is kind of like a <laughs> trivia question, if almost when you. Retired from the character of Maria, I think it was forty four, forty five years that you had been doing the role. Forty four. Are are there is there any other actor that has done a role that long? Um. I I mean I, I it escapes me, Bob, but I can't. Bob was on the show from the beginning. Okay. So he would be forty five years. He would be as long as. You know, he has played Bob as long as the show has run. Right. Because okay. so, I can't think of yeah, too many actors that have done a role for over 40, 40 years. years. I mean, No, no. And I think it's it's part of the 
reason we were able to was that as the same way that Sesame Street wanted to show real life, they were comfortable with us aging on the air. Right. Whereas... Maria didn't, didn't get switched every five years. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. could be the ingenue and then I could fall in love and then I could be, get pregnant after right. getting married, of course, and then get <laughs> pregnant. You know, and I could uh, have those uh, uh, life mark posts yeah. along the way. And they thought, well, that's what happens to ki- kids see that. So, yeah. you know, so that we were comfortable with aging publicly. Right, well, as we all should be. Yeah, we, we, no, we but, all gotta do it. No, but that's a good point she makes because that's not certainly not the case in in True. most television or, yeah. or movies. Entertainment, I mean, really. certainly not the case. Right, if you're the ingenue, then they get the other ingenue if right. that's the part. <laughs> right, yeah. poor Eve. Yeah. <laughs> so, Sonia, I, you know, as I said, um, this has been an incredible honor to have you on the on the show. Uh, I keep saying it again, it's not every day you get to interview people that you grew up with and you idolized um, you know, as a child and and as an adult. So and who you maintain a huge amount of respect for yeah. as 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 an adult and I mean, I think most people might might say, oh, "Well, you know, she was an actress on Sesame Street." I I and I'm going to speak on your behalf too, DJ. I think that you're more than just that. You know, an Thank actress you. doesn't just stay with you in your memory. An actress doesn't just teach you. You're an educator. You're, you know, a trailblazer. You're, you know, I know in your personal life, you know, you're a mother or a wife. I mean, you're 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 a fully formed human being that has made an impact on so many lives. Right. And I, I've said this so many times, and I apologize if it sounds a little too fanboyish, <laughs> and I, I keep saying, but you, you thank you. Just yeah. thank, thank you. you. And, and there's so a lot much. to be said with people who, who do that in a dignified and classy way, which is something that a lot of times today is not so much the case. And, you know, you've always been very true to that. And, and that's also very important. So, you yeah. know, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being on our podcast. <laughs> thank you for your kind words. My God, my head is going to be so thrilled. I'm not going to be able to get out the door now. <laughs> it's too cold outside anyway in yeah. New York. Just stay indoors a bit. <laughs> So thank you so it's much. It's been an immense thank pleasure, you. Sonia. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. And we're back. Yes, we are. What a Wasn't fantastic that great? interview. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, just, I, I still can't get over the fact that we, we had that luck of, of interviewing somebody who we We've had another watching. Emmy winner. Yes. We've had multiple Emmy multiple winners. Multiple Emmy winners. That's for damn sure. Yamil Piedra was our first. Yes. And now we've got Sonia Manzano. Or maybe we've had more and we didn't ask about the Emmy. <laughs> you're probably right. <laughs> but Yamil, if you're listening, you were our first. first. And you never forget you your never first. You never forget your first. So, <laughs> I am a little thirsty. That's right. It's that soda time. time. I'm giving two sodas this week. Two? Yes. <sighs> Is it a BOGO? No. <laughs> well, maybe. Buy one, get one. Buy one, get one. So, during our hiatus, somebody emailed us or texted us and asked for us to say something positive about Trump. Oh, they did? And challenge accepted. Yeah, they did. did well, you and I got the same messages. No, no, I don't, remember. I don't remember. I don't remember. Yeah, when we asked, when we put, we put... Oh, when we asked for the questions. For questions. Yes, somebody yes. asked Which We haven't us. forgotten about, guys. So, no, we, we haven't. Gotten We're going to address that. But somebody asked for us to say something positive about Trump. Yes, I think yes, yes. they asked for us to say three things positive about Trump. Yes. I'm not going to get into all three now. But, see, I can say something positive about 
the president. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, um, so my positive thing about President Trump this week. Oh, oh come on. I actually give him credit for acknowledging Gaido as the president of Venezuela. Okay, and this actually is from the Medid guy. Well, well the there question. we go, Medid guy. Yes, yes. I, I said one thing. Um, I actually do whatever his reasons for, because, you know, there's been a lot of media right, as right. to the reasons why the Trump administration is declaring Venezuela. I mean, who knows? Who knows what the reasons are? I Whatever. The point is that he acknowledged um, the opposition leader as the president of Venezuela, the interim president of Venezuela. And that's something that I, I totally agree with. And he did. So, look, I said something nice about the guy. <laughs> See, it's possible. <laughs> oh. It is possible. So, um, so yeah. So, my second Coke goes to... Mm-hmm. Da, 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 da. And this is a good type of Coke. The okay, one that okay. when you have it you know it still tingles in your mouth to kamala harris who declared her 2020 presidential candidacy oh that's right so many things happen in a week i forgot i mean can you believe we're talking about 2020 (sighs) so i've actually liked kamala harris for a while she Mm -hmm. is a democrat and obviously more on the liberal side of things but she's a moderate she's moderate she's not like crazy liberal um she she is very much a moderate which i think especially now we need um because we need people from the right to come over to the left right and you're not going to do that with uh bernie sanders with you're not going to do that with a or not even a bernie sanders but like alessandria alessandra ocasio i mean she's too extreme and maybe in her district it, it works, works, but not across but, the U.S. But not across. I mean, you're certainly not going to bring somebody on the right with somebody like her. But somebody like Kamala Harris, who's a little bit more moderate, mm-hmm. you may be able to. And I've always actually liked her. She's very well spoken. Um, one of the things that I like about her, at least up to now, right. is that she gives some very real sensed answers. She doesn't give you In that political run around, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, they, they'll ask her stuff like, oh, you know, you're a woman of color and, you know, don't you expect that women of color are going to vote for you just like, um, you know, Hillary Clinton expected women to vote for her and a lot right. of women didn't. And she's like, no, I got to give the American people more credit than that. You know, I think, oh, you know, okay. Americans are going to vote for the right person, man or woman, you know. Right. They shouldn't vote for me just because. Right. Because I'm a right. woman and I'm black or whatever. So, um, you know, she she's very well spoken. She's a moderate. She's I, I think she's great. And I mean, obviously, she just announced her um, candidacy just mm-hmm. a, a week ago or so. So who knows what the road? <laughs> so you know that from here to twenty twenty is like five years. Yes, it's it's about yeah. five years, and we're here again. Yeah. It seemed like we were I here. I, I'm still not over. I'm, I'm, I'm not over. <laughs> I'm not over the announcement in Trump Tower in June of twenty fifteen when he made the comment. I mean that comment about the Mexicans, yeah, you know, yeah. the word, you know, rapists, rapists killers, all that. That was almost race. three years ago. That was almost three years ago. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, um, no, no, no. You know, let's keep it clean because I gave him a coke. I gave That's I true. gave Donald Trump a coke. Okay, That's I true. gave Donald Trump a coke. In all fairness, so. though, it was one of the smaller cans for his little hands. <laughs> yeah. So fairness. Kamala Harris, this coke is for you. Yep. Oh well, that's good. Okay, well let's see. Let's see where that goes, and if something comes of it. So my last soda is actually a little, way more frivolous than that. 
Um, my last soda is actually going to <laughs> the most throwaway TV show possibly ever put on TV. The Masked Singer. Oh my god. I've kind of wanted to watch that. <laughs> it's so fun. With Nick Cannon, right? Yeah. And Jenny McCarthy is... So it's Nick Cannon host, Jenny McCarthy, Robin Thicke, Kevin Jong, and Nicole Scherzinger are the judges. Uh-huh. I say judges in the most loose sense of the word because they literally just sit up there what i love is that so the premise is it's actually a south korean tv show that's Mm -hmm. been transformed transferred over to the u.s and the whole premise is you've got i think it's about like 10 contestants head to toe costume you cannot see their face they have voice modulators except for when they sing and it's you know it's celebrities it's different celebrities and so the thing is to guess you know who Who's under the mask? Who's under the mask? And they give clues every week and so on and so forth. But is it every week? Is it a different mask singer? So no, it's the same 10 people keep, I think it starts with 10. They keep performing and they eliminate one each week. And then when the person gets eliminated, they take the mask off and you see who was under it. So, and they're all known singers. No, no, they're not, they're not singers. They're all over. So like so far we've had, I mean, I think it's safe to say at this point, we've had um, the people who've been unmasked that I'm aware of. One was an athlete. I can't remember his name. One was Terry Bradshaw. Okay. And this past week was Margaret Cho. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, then this is different than I thought. I thought that it was like one of them is a singer singer. Well, one of them may very well like, be. Like, it could be Christina Aguilera, you know? Could, and... Well, okay. It could be because we don't know who was under the other ones, right? Actually, there's one that I think is Gladys Knight. Yeah. But she's singing, like, pop music from today, so it's right. very different. But you can tell she's an older lady. Um, but it, my favorite part is, like, when they're when the judges are trying to guess who's under the mask, right? Like, let's... Okay. Let's stop and think about the show, right? There's a certain... I'm not trying to dismiss anybody, but there's a certain caliber of people who are going to appear, and there's a certain caliber of people who are right. not going to appear, right. right? And so you hear them saying, it's like, oh my God, I think that's like, that could be Kate Moss under there. I'm like, I guarantee you it is not Kate it's Moss. Beyonce. It's they, Beyonce. They've said that like four times, and I'm like, listen, it's not Beyonce. Like, <laughs> like I don't know who's under there. Oh my God, can there. you imagine if it is? <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of those things where it's like, no, I guarantee you that it's, you know, it's not Celine Dion. No, mm-hmm. it's not. I promise you it's not Celine Dion. Mm-hmm. But so far, we think that... So there's... And the, the costumes are really great. Mm-hmm. I think that there's this one guy who comes out as a peacock. I think that one's Donny Osmond. Mm-hmm. Oh. You don't like Donny Osmond? No. Whatever. I don't dislike him. I don't dislike him. No, I shouldn't have... Ugh. Okay, so I think that's Donny Osmond. And then we think there's this other one that's a unicorn. And we think that one's Tori Spelling. Okay. <laughs> What an unpleasant surprise. <laughs> so now that I've said listen, it, if it's listen, true... Tori Spelling has like, what, four or five children yeah. with Dylan McDermott or whatever right. his name is? <laughs> no, not Dylan McDermott. Uh, Dylan, uh, Dylan... No. Oh God, Something McDermott. It's, his first name is either Dylan or his, his last, last name, name is McDermott. McDermott. But it's not Dylan McDermott. No. And it's not Dylan from 90210. No. Not Luke Perry. No. <laughs> not Luke Perry. Um, yeah. So if it turns out to be either one of those... We've got it here on recorded, and you'll know that I was right. Okay. Okay. But it's a fun... Again, it's such a It'd frivolous... It'd be totally awesome if it's Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> One of them's probably Rita Ora. Probably. <laughs> or maybe Pia Zadora. Or P- That'd be awesome. That would be great. That'd be great. So, <laughs> Bueno, Donald Trump, the mass singer, Kamala Harris. That's an interesting trio. 
Let's get our last coax of the <laughs> yes, desert. So, everybody, that was episode 48. We hope you listened, laughed, and learned. And as always, grab your pastelito, your croqueta, and your jupiña. And thank you so much for joining us. Bye, caballero. Pero Friday. Bye. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.